This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. Well, good morning, everybody. This sound right here, of course, that is going to wake me up in the morning. Of course, I can't choose any other sound other than that. And so the problem is, day after day, you hear that? It gets old. It gets repetitive. And then other people also use that same alarm, right? So you're sitting at work, and somebody else's alarm goes off, and you're just like, oh, my goodness, is it mine? Or you have flashbacks to the morning where your heart is beating so hard, and you're like, no, i got to wake up, and you realize, no, wait, the day's already halfway done. That's what happens to me when I hear that noise. And the alarm, it's something that I hear every single day. So what does the alarm mean? Well, it means it's time to wake up. It's time to to walk to the bathroom, to brush my teeth, clean myself up, um, get ready for the day. Got to go to the kitchen, make my lunch for work, go to work, get to come home from work, spend time with the family, work out, um, watch the baseball game, and then I lay back in bed at night, and I pick up the phone, and then I set that same alarm for the next day for it all to happen again. And I think we all relate to that. And it reminds me of that Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day. Have anybody seen that? Yeah, Groundhog Day. It's where Bill Murray, he wakes up every single day and um, relives that same day over and over and over and over and over again. And he gets stuck in it. So over this last year, I feel like many different aspects of our lives have felt like Groundhog Day. And maybe to some of us, um, we call it Groundhog Weeks. And we work and work, right? And everything is a repetition of the same thing. We work through our week to get to the weekend, spend the weekend trying to find time to rest and recover, and then all of a sudden it's Monday again, time to work. Get through the week again, same thing happens, same thing happens. And the days can quickly start to lose something valuable to them. Sometimes I get so wrapped up in in repetitive things. We all all know this. You see somebody at the grocery store you haven't seen in a little bit, and they ask, "Uh, hey, what's new? What's going on? And uh, the only answer you can think of is, well, not much. Not, not, not a whole lot, I guess. Or, uh, or, you know, you just, whatever. Kind of blow the question off, and then you walk away and you start thinking, man, really, what is new? What is new in my life? I'm kind of stuck in a rut right now. Man, my life hasn't really been going where, anywhere lately. Maybe I've reached a momentary plateau. Haven't really had much success in the things that I'm passionate about lately. Man, maybe I'm stuck in a rut. And so today we're continuing our series, Toolbox for Life. Life has its issues, life has its problems, but God, he doesn't leave us to to deal with them on our own. He's given us tools to help along the way. And so today we're going to look at what happens when we reach plateaus and ruts. So what is a plateau and a rut? What does it look like? Well, we reach them in, in different layers of our lives. Maybe we hit a plateau in a time where we don't really see much personal growth, right? We all have our own personal goals, things that we want to achieve, uh, spoken and unspoken things that we want to accomplish in our life. Maybe it's eliminating bad habits. Maybe it is uh, challenging ourselves to always be learning something new. Maybe we have goals to be more proactive. Maybe we have goals to find more time to rest and recover. But those goals that I had, I can't seem to get them can't seem to get there. And I get stuck in a loop that keeps me from accomplishing them. So what do you do when you face the rut? Do you just give up? Well, there's another layer of our life that, that plateauing can hit, and that's, that's our relationships with others. 
And we haven't really been able to be vulnerable with somebody lately, to, to open up and to share the things that we need to share. Or maybe on the other hand, uh, we want to be able to invest in other people. But we can't really find that outlet, yet alone the, the time or that motivation to do so. Another layer we can plateau is in our faith. We can't help but feel that, that we've become stagnant sometimes, and sometimes we feel far from God. And we set these expectations for ourselves of, of spending this quality time with God and finding time to, to fill ourselves with God's word. And it's hard for us to reach those expectations. And so maybe something, something that we fear is getting in the way. And I want to point out, too, that plateauing and falling in a rut, it isn't limited to, to age either uh, or experience. Whether, whether we're younger or older, we are all vulnerable to plateauing. We can plateau early in life. If we don't set those standards for our life and, and the goals that we want to reach, uh, we can quickly, quickly not have a foundation to build on. And then we, we find ourselves later down the road uh, in trouble. And on the other hand, uh, we can fall into a rut later in life. And that's often disassociating ourselves uh, from growth and from serving. A lot of times that, that plateau looks like, man, I've already done my time. Now it's time to sit back and let somebody else do it. Whatever it may be, there is no part of our lives there's no part of our journey on this earth that is invincible to falling victim to a plateau or a rut. Each layer of our lives, they are connected together. If one aspect is affected, the other layers are also going to be affected. If we hit a rut in our faith, that's going to affect our relationships. That's going to affect how we, how we work. If we hit a rut in our, in our jobs, that's going to affect our home life. That's going to affect our relationships. It's going to affect our faith. All these things are intermingled, and they can and they will affect each other. Uh, we can look at it like a whiskey barrel, right? When they're building a whiskey barrel, they build it from the ground up. They build it stave by stave. They build it uh, plank by plank. So when they build up this whiskey barrel, they fill it up with some water before they finish it to make sure that each nook and cranny is tight enough that there's not going to be a leak. So they don't get to the end of this barrel and then find out later, oh man, there's a leak. We should have taken care of that earlier, right? So if we aren't constantly aware of the leaks along the way, if we aren't constantly aware of these ruts and these plateaus, it can quickly affect our whole being and our whole purpose. And so whatever it may be, there's no part of our lives that's invincible to that leak, to experiencing the plateau or the rut. And through our busy, repetitive schedules, we can't let that rut go unnoticed. So the rut, it's a dangerous place that could destroy the journey. When we begin to plateau, when we face the rut, the vulnerability, the unknowns, the, the uncertainty, it all hits us, and it can be a very dangerous place to be. Today, I want us to spend some time in 1 Corinthians 10. It's the letter that Paul's writing to the early church, and, and that Corinthian church, it has a lot of problems uh, that need to be resolved. It's a church that we know is vulnerable to running into ruts. And so Paul, he looks back to the history of Israel, and he brings warnings that I think resonate quite well with us today. So I want to begin at verse 1. Chapter 10, verse 1. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. 
Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things occurred to them as examples for us from keeping our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and they got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did, and they were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did, and they were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. And that's big. That if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you think that the rut or the plateau can't exist in your life, that's when you probably need to start being careful. No temptation has overtaken you except what's common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So Paul thinks through scripture. And he points out that Old Testament Israel is that definition of what can happen when we hit a rut. They walked with God. They saw God move and work in ways that don't really require a whole lot of faith when you're seeing these things firsthand. God, he literally guided them through the desert in the form of a cloud. He split the Red Sea while their enemies were chasing right after them. When they were stranded in the desert, they didn't have food or water, but God provided. And Paul tells us that Christ was with them along the way. But in that rut, some of them, they lost track of that overall plan. That that God can work for good. Some of them gave their hearts to idolatry, sexual morality, and sin. And the rut came, and the struggles came. And though they experienced God, they could not see past that rut that was in front of them. And they decided to try to get back on their own terms. So when confronting the rut, we need to first be aware of the danger. We need to be aware. Growing up, my dad, we did a lot of backpacking together, and I talk about this a lot. Uh, We would hit the Appalachian Trail uh, down at the Smokies. It was one of our favorite places to go. Went to school down there. Tons of memories. And um, I had a lot of things to learn during these backpacking trips. I remember the very first backpacking trip I did, I was so proud of myself, I got to pack my own bag. That's a lot of responsibility for a little nine-year-old Dane. So I pack my bag, and uh, my dad checks over my bag, and he teaches me, Dane, maybe you don't need to bring pajamas on this overnight uh, one-week trip in the Smokies. And I was a little, little disappointed about that. And so then he taught me the things that, that we do need to pack. And he taught me that, yes, we do need to have a map and we need to plan for the places that we're going to go stay. And most importantly, he taught me that we needed to have a destination for our trip. Without that destination, we are vulnerable to going where the wind takes us and we're vulnerable to getting lost. And so the first few days of these trips, they were always amazing. Um, the Appalachian Trail heads, they, were always, they would always start at these... Um, really large parking lots. A lot of the tourists would go. You could park there and easily uh, get to the start of the trail. And the trail was always this big uh, eight to like 10 foot wide trail at the start. Uh, Easily you could just pass people and you could get down there and you could see all the beautiful views. But then after a couple days of the trip, you realize that that big path begins to narrow. And pretty soon you're walking on a path that's about this narrow. And you find yourself just looking down at that path the whole time and you're just continuing walking, that you sometimes forget to look up, and you forget to look around at the views that are around you. And then that thin trail 
the one that started out big and exciting. It can become that rut that keeps you from seeing the beauty. And so as a kid in these moments where I became homesick, these were the moments that I started thinking about how good a cheeseburger sounded. I remembered my bed and what that felt like to lay down on it instead of down on the ground in the tent. And then I remembered those pajamas that I left back at home. And after days of hiking, the journey, it could easily stop getting exciting. And I had moments where I missed out on truly enjoying what was around me. Then my dad, he would remind me again that it's all going to be worth it. Why? Because we have a destination. And again, I, I had something to look forward to. I had something to appreciate. And in those moments of vulnerability, I desperately needed that reminder. We are on this life journey, and we've, we've experienced God's beauty, and we've experienced his work all around us. Like Israel, some of us may have experienced God firsthand. We know how God has worked in our lives. We've seen the beauty of the people that he's placed in our lives beside us. We know the peace that he can give us in times of trouble. We remember those feelings when, when we were first called to be Christians. We were so excited to go out into the world and, and, and just share that good news, to live a new life. But somewhere along the way, that path can easily narrow. And it can get tougher, and the journey can slow down. And so in these ruts, that's what we notice. Maybe it's a rut of our relationships, something that starts out amazing and new. Some people call it the honeymoon phase, but over time, right, that path, it thins. Things get distracting, and you get stuck in that rut. Maybe it's a rut in faith. Again, we talked about that, that new calling and passion to be passionate about ministry. We start out, we, we have this great idea. We're ready to kick it off. We're ready to, to try to change lives, to serve, uh, to build relationships. But then after some time, the, the monotony of it, the repetitiveness, the path narrows. And it gets tough. And it gets hard to keep focused. And progress begins to be a challenge. When we become aware that we are approaching the rut, we need to know that we have some decisions that need to be made. We're approached with two types, two types of decisions that, that we think we can fix the rut. So we come over to our personal toolbox and, and we grab what we can find. And so today I'm going to need a volunteer who wants to come up. I'm just, no. I call these things, um, oh man, sledgehammer reactions. The first decision that we need to avoid is a sledgehammer reaction, a destructive reaction. And I think of this sledgehammer, it's, it's one that you try to just destroy what's ever in front of you by force. When there's a wall in your way, you just hit it as hard as you can, you knock it down. Um, and so by taking it into our own hands, we try to just hit this rut as hard as we can, and we hope that maybe these destructive decisions can solve our problems. But it never does. I don't know, there's something that just feels good about hitting things, right? The thing, things that, hitting things really hard that has to fix the issue. But you always look back at it and you're like, nah, now all, all that happens is my hand hurts, right? The danger of choosing this destructive decision is that in the end, we still end up with that pile of rubble in our way. So some destructive decisions that we can make, first off, we can just ignore the rut. We can try to just keep moving without acknowledging that there's an actual issue. We just drone through our lives and we just keep, keep being unhappy, keep being unfulfilled, and, and we get comfortable in that. And we can easily fall in that trap to think, man, maybe if I just ignore 
these problems. They just won't exist. Another destructive decision that we can make is to distract ourselves from the rut, to not face it. For example, if you're in a rut with, with your marriage, you decide the easier thing to do instead of working through it and getting to the destination with your partner, getting to a point of resolve uh, without even trying, right? You make the decision to have an affair. That is a destructive decision. Or if you feel like you're in a rut with, with maybe the church that you attend, instead of uh, trying to dig deep and have healthy conversations with people, one option is to, to just uh, leave it behind. That can be a destructive decision. Let's say you reach a rut in your faith. And so then instead of uh, spending this quality time with God, you decide to, to just simply um, ignore the time and move on. And obviously that's a, that's, a, that's a destructive decision. And what we find is in these moments, in these ruts, we find that they are dangerous places to be because you can make a decision that can easily destroy the journey. And it's tempting to choose an easy way out, to choose something that feels good, but we're encouraged to keep that destination in mind along the way, to remember that God has a plan for our lives through the thick and the thin. And maybe through this time of struggling, God, he's providing a way out for us. And that way out might not be as easy as we want it to be. Maybe it's going to be tough, but God promises us it's going to be worth it. We can work through it. And so that brings me to the next point. What if the rut is part of God's plan? What if it's an opportunity for us to open our eyes to the dangers of life? The rut, it could be that very thing that helps us see that the direction that we were once taking was leading us away from God. So sometimes the rut is exactly where you need to be. Let's be real, nobody wants to be stuck in it. No one, no one wants to feel stagnant in reaching your goals. And I can't help but go back again to that story of Israel there is the time where, where God's calling them to go out and to make a life for themselves outside of captivity. Uh, the story where Israel is then faced with, uh, with conquering Jericho, the walls of Jericho. They were in a rut. There was a literal wall standing in the way of them in where God was calling them to go. And the, the obvious answer was for, was for them just to pick up their sledgehammers, pick up their swords, pick up their shields, and just attack the city full on, Right? Be as destructive as you can, hit that thing really hard, and conquer it. But that's not the plan that God had in mind. Instead of choosing the, the big sledgehammer decisions, the destructive, God told them to be a little more precise. There's a different tool. To be a little more, more constructive with your decisions. To be more precise, to build up, and to choose faithfulness to God. So God called them to march around the city for six days straight, not to attack it, not to take the city by force, but to march around it and to wait and to trust him. So when we hit a rut, it gives us this opportunity to make a constructive decision. It gives us an opportunity to trust where God will lead us. And it might not make sense, and it might be uh, difficult to bear and understand it, but maybe the rut is God giving us an opportunity to grow to let go of the control and the stress and the pressure of getting past the rut on our own, and to stop and listen and be patient with his plan. So Israel, they spent six consecutive days just walking around this city, and I can't imagine how boring that had to be. They woke up to their alarms every morning, right, and they were walked outside, and then they walked around this city. 
just to go back home, go back to bed, to wake up the next day to their alarms, right? And then they go walk around the city. And they do that thing this again and again and again for six days straight. That's so boring. Yet alone to expect eventually walking around those walls are going to make it fall down. How does that make sense? There'd be so many questions in my mind. So that wall, it came down after that sixth day of walking around. God called them to be faithful and to continue with his precise plan. And it works out in the end. And that wall, that that rut in our life, it's a big event that we can't get through. But God, he can use for our good. And so as Christians, we need to understand that there is a purpose when we plateau. That God is using it. That what we call a rut could also be called faithfulness. And I heard a story about two guys. They were both building this this cathedral. One of the guys, he was asked, hey, what, what are you guys doing here? He answers, oh, I'm just, just laying some bricks, building away. And they ask the other guy, hey, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm building a magnificent cathedral of praise and worship to God. And that was a good reminder of, of the value of perspective. Perspective is key when we are in these ruts. Think about how often we can miss out on opportunities to reach people around us when we aren't content with where we're at now. Often we equate bigger things for better things. We think if only more people liked me, then I'd get out of a a rut of loneliness. If only I was able to use my talents to reach larger crowds, right? Then I'd be doing what God wanted me to do. To think, oh man, only if I could get out of debt now, I could then uh, be so faithful and use my finances to to support these these people I really want to support. In these ruts, our job is to still remain faithful to what God is calling us to do. We're called to be faithful where God has placed us. He's surrounded us with community, and we need to be searching for new ways to serve, to do what he calls us to do. We need to change our mindsets. We need to change our perspectives, and we need to think about God's plans over our own preferences. And so when we hit times of struggle, when we hit these plateaus, we understand that it's just simply a part of life, and these things are going to happen, and they're going to happen to all of us. So we can step back. And we can ask ourselves some important questions. What can we learn from it? How can we serve God in it? What are the opportunities for growth while we're going through this? When we're in the rut, sometimes the best thing to do can be just to sit in it for a little bit of time. To sit in it and dwell and allow God to move. To continue to be faithful and do what he has called you to do. Because God, he can do what he wants, with whom he wants, whenever he wants. And through these plateaus and through these ruts, he is calling us to go through these situations where we can give him the glory and the credit in the good times and the bad times. Because God, he works for our benefit, and we know that. So we can confidently embrace the rut and be open to letting God move in our lives. These plateaus, they're times that we really need to remember. Can't just forget about them. Can't just ignore them. We can't just wish these times away so quickly. As we all know, whenever a moment passes, we don't get that back. We need to remember these vulnerable moments of the plateau where we trust God to do his work. And we need to know that when God brings us out of this, when he takes us past the plateau, when we reach our next goal, 
it will mean so much more for us when we remember what it was that God got us through. And we look back and we wonder why we were ever worried in the first place. Because faithfulness in the rut, again, is what we are called to do. It's a part of discipleship and it's a part of us maturing in our faith. Dallas Willard, he calls discipleship a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience. And that reminds us to slow down sometimes. To remember that obedience to God is more urgent than how quickly we can get past the rut. And we'll look back and we'll realize that sometimes the rut was exactly where we needed to be in that moment. So when we're aware of the dangers of the rut, again, we need to differentiate between the sledgehammer and the hammer, between the destructive decisions and the constructive decisions. Growing up in the Alexander house, my mom watched a lot of TV and she was in charge of the remote. And so um, there were always these two channels on. Whenever the remote, I guess, ran out of batteries, though, uh, she would always tell somebody to go get batteries. Whenever we lost the remote, I would be the remote. So I knew the, I knew the two channels she liked. One of them was TLC, so we would watch TLC a lot. The other one is UFC. My mom watched a lot of fighting, a lot of UFC mixed martial arts. And that was one of my favorite things to do to watch with my mom. Uh, she would really get into it. And uh, if we didn't have that channel for the day, she's the first one out the door to go to B-dubs to, to pay-per-view to, to try to watch the fight that night. Um, so watching UFC with my mom is, is one of my favorite things to do. But then sometimes she'd tell me to turn it to those other channels that's on TLC, little little less embraceive. Um, these constructive home renovation shows we would watch. And they're often filled with uh, these really picky people trying to renovate their homes and find their dream homes, homes that, that none of us could ever afford. I didn't really like those shows too much. But there was one show in particular that I remember, and it's the Fixer Upper show, where uh, one of the, the lady would be the designer and the guy, he'd be the one who would do a lot of the labor work and stuff. And so what they would do is they would fix up these old homes and um, they would... They would walk into a house, and first they would evaluate. They would envision this end goal of what they wanted the rooms to look like, what the house to look like, um, and they envisioned an end goal for what they, they wanted to accomplish. And so once that plan was in place, uh, the guy, he would often grab, like, the big sledgehammer, and then he would just start knocking down these walls. He would knock down these walls, and then the lady, she would finish uh, designing the room to make it all look nice. And it worked for them because they had a plan in place. They had a plan where they knew what the end was before they started it. He could have just grabbed the sledgehammer before making a plan and just started swinging away, knocking down all these walls. But the danger in that is you could hit the support wall, right? You could hit the support beam. And if you knock that thing down, there's no house. The whole project could be ruined. So they don't go in all destructive and making messes, hoping that things work out in the end. They go in knowing which walls need to be knocked down and which walls needed to be precisely built back up. Corinthians picks up later in the chapter, in verse 23. It says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And when we are faced with a rut, with a plateau, we have the right to do anything we want. We can be as destructive as we desire, and we could probably get away with it for a little bit. But when we step back and we think about the bigger picture, how beneficial is it to be destructive without having the, the capability of building up something for good? 
To be constructive, we need to follow that plan. We need to, to have a blueprint for the end result. We need to know how to get where we want to go. And the only way that we can do that is when we align our plans with the plans that God has for our lives. Constantly aligning our plans with God's plans will help us get through the rut. The rut, the plateau, these times of little progress, they often point out those things that we need to tear out of our lives or those things that we need to precisely build back up. And we need to be aware of the dangers. We need to understand the weight of our decisions in the rut and look forward to that end result that God is calling us out of. Mindset, be that blueprint for our life. One founded on missions and discipleship. When we're approached with the rut, we let go of bringing glory to anything but our God. And the chapter finishes later on in, in verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. Whatever we do, we do for the glory of God. Whatever we do outside of a rut, outside of a plateau, or even when we're stuck in it, we're called to do for the glory of God. Following God's plan brings him glory. Following him through the rut brings him glory. But when we follow only ourselves in the rut, it often leaves us unfinished and lacking and wanting more and more and more. So the series, again, is, is toolbox. So, so what are our tools that can help us when we face these ruts? And again, we talked about the sledgehammer. We talked about the hammer, um, both destructive and constructive decisions. But the key to using these tools is to have a plan, is to have a plan in place, to, to begin with that end in mind. We need to stop dwelling on our current results, stop dwelling on where we currently are, and we need to look ahead and see the trajectory of where we're going. When we discover our end goal, we can use it. We can build constructive decisions to figure out what we need to do to get to the end goal. We can have a plan that gives us a perspective to know how and when we need to rest in the rut and when we need to work to get out of it and how all these pieces fit together to accomplish our goals. Found when we, we weed out our own superficial goals and then we focus in on what God is calling us to. Another tool is me, it could be prioritizing. This means that we could prioritize the needs in our lives. To be willing to slow down and ask questions to ourselves. To be willing to, to go back to the basics of our decision making, go back to the basics of our faith, and ask ourselves, what matters most? Is it glorifying ourselves? Or is it glorifying God? If we're stuck in a rut in our faith, have we gone back to the basics of just simply spending time with God? Just sitting in his presence, just listening. Sometimes we don't have to have the words to say. We can read his truths, filling ourselves up with his encouragement, giving him space to move in our lives before we try to take over with that control. When we prioritize, we can also learn to see these things that, that might need to be left behind in our lives. Things that should stay out in the rut when we get out of it. Because some things, they just no longer need to be carried with us. And having a plan, it also gives us this chance to, to change things up. That's another tool. Change things up. When we're stuck in a rut, when things feel stagnant and repeating, uh, when we know where it is that we want to go, when we have those goals in mind, uh, we have the freedom to change things up and to reevaluate our plans to get there. Do something different. If you don't really like where you are, you can always try to do something sometimes to change it. 
And you can start to pick up constructive habits of study, constructive habits of changing your life to live healthier lives. Changing things up helps us to keep these repetitive tasks from losing their meaning. And if you find yourself in a rut with your faith and and, and possibly daily devotions, just change it up. Go, spend time with people, discuss faith together, discuss life, uh, find ways to just reignite that passion to work through the ruts. Lastly, I don't want to forget about the tool of community. We cannot isolate ourselves. We cannot isolate ourselves from each other. We need to surround ourselves with community that supports us to reaching our end goals. Look around in your life. God, he has placed people to go through life with you, whether it's somebody in your family, whether it's a friend, even here in this community of Parkview. There are outstretched hands who are uh, caring about you, who are ready to pull you out of that rut. And it is encouraged to reach out to others. It is totally okay to ask for help because we all go through the rut and we all need others' support to help us get out. It's much easier to get out of it together than on our own. So this morning, if you find yourself in a rut, let this be an encouragement. Let this be an opportunity to move into a life where God is leading you. Let this be a time to evaluate, to plan, and to learn to make decisions to honor God. And if you find yourself in a rut, know that God is welcoming you for a way out. He has offered us this new life through, his, uh, through the, the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. That there is no rut that's deep enough. There is no plateau, flat and long enough, that God isn't willing to come beside us and work with us to get out of. So I invite you this morning to take that next step. As we sing this next song, or, or even any time after the service, throughout the week, over these next months, if you feel like you are in a rut, always feel free to reach out to somebody who cares about you. Call the church. Come on in. We're more than willing to pray. If you need prayer today, if you need encouragement, if you need to make connections to find this community of support together, if you need help deciding what decisions in my life are destructive and tearing things apart in the rut, and what decisions are constructive that I can lead to to help build my life back up to where God calls me to be. Please come forward as we continue worshiping together this morning. Let's stand and worship.